0: Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance or endurance. And perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. Now hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts. By the Holy Spirit who was given to us. That is the people of God. The title of this message is. Hope that will never disappoint. Hope that will never disappoint. Lord, I pray that you would bless your people, every person watching, every person that will watch. I pray that you would help me by your word to be a blessing to those who would listen. That your spirit, your spirit which is given to your people, would be confirmed in, in their hearts. And that they would receive this love by your grace. They would receive this hope that every believer is privileged to have, God. Help us, Lord, regardless of the hardship and the tribulation that we may be going through. Help us to rejoice in the fact that you are are present and you are near in our time of need, God. that even in the midst of suffering and affliction, we can rejoice because you're always doing something. You're always there. You're doing something in us, through us, for us. So help us, God, to make the most of this time. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. A few years ago, I read a book called Unbroken. It's a book about a man whose name is Lou, Louis Zapparino. And uh, I think I got his name right. But I read this book, a wonderful book. It's about uh, him in the World War II, wherein he was uh, in the Air Force, and he served on the plane bombers, or the bombers that would go long distances on these long missions. He served in the South Pacific, Or two, and and the book is just absolutely astonishing, what he went through, how he survived, but his plane and the men he was with, they were shot down while they were over the South Pacific, over the sea, and um, he and two other men were the only ones to survive on his crew, and they found a raft, they were in a raft, and for 47 days they were stranded out at sea, and they dealt with all kinds of peril, all kinds of hardship. Um, it's an amazing book. An absolutely amazing book. They had sharks trying to a- attack the raft. They had to go through hunger. Uh, they, they, they were able to catch birds or different fish, and they were just barely able to survive. But only two of those three men were able to survive. And those two men, being Louis and another man, were able to, able to survive. But there was another man on that raft who, shortly after they were, they were stranded in this raft, he absolutely lost his mind. He had lost his mind. And, and a, a key thing that is noted in this book is that he lost all hope. He had lost all hope. He had lost all hope of being uh, being rescued. All lost. He had lost all hope that they would be able to survive on this raft. And, and the thing that differentiated this one man from the other two is that the other two, the other two were able to, to maintain a positive outlook. They were able to help one another. They were able to dwell on things that were more positive. They were were able to to keep their mind occupied. And this one other man, because he had lost all hope, he frittered away and he eventually died there on that raft and they had to push him off into the sea. And after 47 days, these men were taken captive by the Japanese. But it's very interesting that they make very special note in this book that what kept these men going and alive is that they always maintained a sense of hope. I've heard it said that we can live 40 days without water, or without food, eight days without water, four minutes without air, but only a few seconds without hope. Without hope. And that's exactly what I want to speak to you here today, about the hope that we as believers are privileged to have and experience in our relationship with Jesus Christ. We have a hope that's not anchored in this world, We have hope as an anchor, and that anchor is salvation in Jesus Christ. That's the hope that we have as children of God. It doesn't come and go with the world's coming and going, but our hope is anchored in Jesus Christ. In this book of of Romans chapter 5, if you were to continue to read on to verse 11, there are various privileges and wonderful benefits that the Apostle Paul declares is the child of God's through relationship with Jesus If you were to read on through verse 11, you would find that, first of all, through justification by faith, we have peace with God. We have have peace with God. And that's what we talked about on, on Wednesday night, having peace with God and the peace of God that comes into our lives. We are given grace through justification by faith. We're given hope. We experience love. We have the Holy Spirit's presence in our life. We are saved from wrath. It goes on to say This chapter. It tells us that we're reconciled to God. It goes on to say that we have salvation by the life of Jesus and that we have joy in fellowship with God. All these are manifest in the Christian's life through faith in Jesus Christ. We're justified by faith in Jesus Christ, and we have all these wonderful benefits and privileges. That we experience in fellowship with the Lord. We have this peace. We have this joy. We're reconciled. We're now no longer enemies of God. But we're friends of God. We're saved from the wrath of God. We're saved from the penalty of sin. We have salvation through the life of Jesus. We have joy in fellowship with Him. But there's another benefit that I'd like for us to hone in on here, here today. That's relevant to our scripture. And the benefit is this. And what is emphasized by Paul is that we as children of God, being justified by faith, we we now have the ability to glory or rejoice over tribulation and suffering. In the midst of tribulation and suffering, we now can rejoice and we can glory over our tribulations and suffering. And, and, And notice in the scripture, it doesn't say, it doesn't just say, That we can rejoice in the midst of our suffering or affliction or troubles. It says that when joy and affliction or when affliction and suffering come. We can have rejoicing and glory over the fact that we are experiencing suffering and affliction. You can actually rejoice by life in Christ when affliction and suffering come. You can rejoice in the suffering and in the affliction. He's saying that here. And that is actually a privilege of the believer. And, and also, as a believer, we oftentimes experience persecution that comes by by us being children of God. And we have the privilege to suffer with Jesus. But even, even as we read throughout the Gospels, Jesus told his disciples, You will have tribulation on this earth. You will experience something. And for the child of God, we can rejoice when tribulation and suffering... Come, And I'll explain that in a little while, why we can't do that. But what is tribulation? What is suffering that can come? This word, tribulation, it means pressing or pressure. It's it's kind of like when you go to the sea, and the deeper and deeper you go, the more and more the pressure is, the deeper you go. And, and for these scientists to go and explore the deepest recesses of the ocean, like the, the deepest trench that there is, they have to take these specialized... These specialized submarines, so that it can endure the pressure coming from the outside. And they pressurize the inside so that it pushes back out. But tribulations and sufferings, this meaning is that it's a pressing, it's a pressure from all around. And this could be sickness. We know that there are multitudes of people who are going through sickness from this pandemic. And not just from this pandemic alone. There's always been sickness. There, There will continue to be sickness. But we can experience tribulation and suffering through sickness, through financial hardship. There's a lot of people losing their jobs right now. There's a lot of people being laid off. There's a lot of people that don't know how they're going to pay their bills or put food on the table. There's a lot of uncertainty when it comes to finances in people's lives right now. Right now. Suffering can come. Tribulation can come with job loss, with physical needs, a healing that's needed in your body. Loneliness. Now, we thought we were lonely before this pandemic, and we had to go to social distancing. Nobody knew what social distancing was until this occurrence. But there are some people who are starting to feel the effects of loneliness even in this season. But there are some people who are afflicted by loneliness uh, because they, they have no friends, they have no family, people in their lives have died, and they just feel alone in this world, uh, pandemic or no pandemic. And and, and this affliction and suffering can come through loneliness. It can come through the death of a loved one. It can come through persecution or mistreatment. It can come through strained relationships. Whatever it is, Jesus made a full disclaimer that you will experience tribulation in this world. You will. You will. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you won't experience something that is of hardship, that is of suffering, that is of affliction. And, and that is because we live in a fallen world, a sin sick world, and the effects of sin are all around us, all around us. And what may seem nonsensical in this scripture, what may make no sense and is quite paradoxical, is that in this scripture, Paul is saying we can rejoice in the presence of these tribulations. And why is that? Because the child of God the relationship with Jesus Christ, when we go through trial and tribulation with God, with the grace of God, it is never meaningless. It is never without purpose. A a post-Christian humanistic worldview of the world that we're nothing but stardust, and we're nothing but dirt, and we're nothing but time plus chance, it it is a a nihilistic view and a a, a pessimistic view of, of the world, and, and there is no meaning in anything with that worldview. But with the worldview, a biblical worldview, in light of relationship with Jesus Christ, we can rejoice over affliction, over suffering, because it's oftentimes in our tribulation. It's in our times of loneliness, in our times of sickness, of financial hardship, that God does the most in our lives that he otherwise would not have done. He does a magnificent work in our lives. He works on us. He molds us. He purifies us. He does something in seasons of tribulation that he otherwise could not accomplish when we're going through a a season of ease and a season of comfort. There, There is great joy that can come into your life with the presence of tribulation. For the child of God, nothing is without purpose. Nothing is without meaning. God is always trying to do something, trying to speak, trying to form. At the end of the day, he's trying to conform you to his son. He's trying to conform us to the person of Jesus Christ. But he says here, he says in verse two, we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope. Of the glory of God. We rejoice in the hope of, glory, of the glory of God. That, that we shall at the end of it all be glorified with Jesus. And we hope in that. And oftentimes, hope is connected to the resurrection of Jesus. And just as he is so will we be like him. But he goes on to verse 3. And not only that but we also glory in tribulations. Knowing that tribulation. This pressure. This pressing. This affliction. This suffering. That these tribulations they produce perseverance. So let me just, before I get down to what is hope, how we can, can, can experience this hope that is in Christ and not be disappointed by it, I, I just want to, to expound on this, how that these tribulations, it produces in us perseverance. It produces in us something that otherwise was not there before. When affliction and trouble and tribulation come into our lives... Whether it be a wayward child or financial hardship or a worldwide pandemic, we have a choice. Will we crumble? Will we dissolve? Will we we despair in light of this pressure that's coming in all around us? You have a choice as a child of God. Will I give in to all the voices around me? Will I give in to the pressure and to the temptation of Satan? Will I give in to the lust of my flesh to doubt God's promises? You are given this opportunity to make a choice. The moment that this suffering, this affliction, this hard time enters into your life, you will either despair, you will either be embittered over it, you will either crumble or dissolve under it, or you will make the choice. God, I'm going to allow you to make the most of this, and I'm going to be perseverant. I'm going to have patient endurance. And by the grace of God, not in your own strength, the grace of God worked out in us. Because through faith, we've been justified and we receive received the grace of God into our lives, the power of the Holy Spirit in us. The grace of God can allow you to make that decision. When you face death, when you face a car wreck, when you face physical infirmity, you can make the decision, by the grace of God, I'm going to hang on with all my life. I'm going to look to Jesus And I'm going to be perseverant. I'm going to have endurance. I'm going to have patient endurance. And it's in the midst of these trials that God's grace will enable you to diligently seek God's face. And produce within us a growing perseverance and endurance. When you talk about working out, that isn't the physical, or running. You have those who run marathons. And they're called endurance runners. And you can't just go outside, put on your sneakers, sneakers, and run 26 miles like nothing. You have to work your way up. You, maybe you can always start with, with a mile or less, and it goes really slow. But you push yourself, you push yourself, you push yourself, you push your muscles, you work through the pain, you, you allow the process to take place, you allow yourself to come into this place of discomfort, and you push your body to the limits. And before you know, you're running five miles, you're running 10 miles, you're running 15 miles. And before you know it, you're able to run a marathon without stopping. And you have this endurance, this this endurance of a runner that you're able to run this long distance. And it's through this discomfort, through this challenge, through this pressure that comes on us, that the grace of God responds with faith and says, I'm going to push back against this. I'm going to allow this affliction to, to, to benefit Myself, my spirit, and I'm going to to be filled with endurance. And I'm going to practice endurance. Listen, you will never grow or be strengthened in a place of ease. You will never be strengthened. You will never grow in a place of comfort. Never. In the natural and in the spiritual. Here's what Charles Spurgeon said. He said, a Christian man should be willing to be tried. He should be pleased to let his religion be put to the test. There, says he, hammer away if you like. Do you want to be carried to heaven on a feather bed? It is with great affliction, great striving, great faith that we make it to heaven. And if we don't make it to heaven by accident. It, it takes this endurance. It takes this tenacity. It takes this this resolution within our hearts by the grace of God to say, God, I'm not going to crumble. I'm not going to dissolve. When everybody around me is falling and is dissolving under the anxiety of the the news headlines and what we see in other countries and and what we're fearful of, what's going to happen in this country, and we start thinking and thinking about what can happen to my life, what can happen to my children. We're not going to allow that to happen. Jesus, I'm going to put my eyes upon you. I'm going to respond with faith. And I'm allow this tribulation, whatever it is, whatever this pressure, this suffering may be, I'm going to allow it to train me for greater endurance in this race of faith. I'm going to allow it to strengthen me, to stretch me, to, to allow myself to be in a unco- very uncomfortable situation where I'm forced to trust you, God, all the more. I, I, it's either do or die. And what you're doing, you're not doing in your own strength. You're doing it in the, by the grace of God. Because Paul qualifies it. He says, we've been justified by faith. We have peace with God. And now as a child of God, we have all the privileges of a child of God. The Holy Spirit is in your life. You have this peace and reconciliation with with the Father through Jesus. You have everything that the Father can supply to you to meet the need at hand. You're, you're, You're not as this world... We are not as people of this world who have no hope. Listen, if I, Paul said, if we are ones who have hope in this world, of, world alone, we would be of, most, of all men most pitied. We would be pitied if we had only hope in this world. But we as children of God, we have hope in an eternal God. We have hope in eternal promises. And so we are able to endure because of the grace of God that is in our lives. But we have to allow this to happen. We have to allow when this tribulation comes. Rejoice over it and let the process begin in our lives. By patient endurance. And this patient endurance as it works out in your life. As you allow it to take root. And you allow yourself by faith. Through faith. By grace. You allow it to take root into your life. You keep your eyes on Jesus. It will produce character. He says here. Perseverance and perseverance produces character, or that is that that can also be translated proven character. That is, listen to this when you face trial and tribulation, when you face something, it proves the strength of your faith, it proves the genuineness of your faith, it proves what you are in Christ. You don't know how strong you are unless you're tested. You don't know how long you can run unless you go out and you try. You don't know how much you can bench press unless you get on the bench and you try. And it it proves what you're able to do and what you're not able to do. But as you give yourself to this race of endurance and you give yourself over to the process of allowing God to work work himself out in this tribulation, and this suffering, it will produce character in you. First of all, it will tell you where you're really at. It will tell you how strong you are, where you're lacking. And, and, and oftentimes we don't know what we're, able to, what we're able to endure unless we face this tribulation. And then we understand, wow, I thought I was weak, but by God's grace I was able to overcome this. And there are others, as long as everything's good and, 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 and going great and going their way, they're able to, to keep on going. But when adversity comes, they crumble. And, and it is, it's, it's a proving ground for ourselves. But it's not just a proving ground to, to show where you currently are, but God wants to strengthen you. He wants to do something in your life. He wants to produce godly character. He wants to purify. There, there is there In the original Greek, there is there is in this language the aspect of purifying metals, purifying precious metals. And I believe James and, and Peter talk about this in their epistles, how that our faith is precious, and, and it's only through trials and tribulations, through this pressing that comes upon our lives that we're able to be purified. He's able to get the dross out of our lives. He's able to get the the junk out of our lives. He's he's able to to purify our character. He's able to purify our godliness. He's able to remove the pride that is there, the, the, the lust that is there, the things, the sin that is there. He's able through this tribulation to humble us and to bring us to full dependence upon Him where He can move in our lives. But I want you to know Though he says we can rejoice when trials come, it still doesn't make it easy. It doesn't mean that you're happy that you're sick. It doesn't mean that you're happy that you lost your job. It doesn't mean that you're happy that you're lonely or a loved one has died or, there, or, or that you can't pay a bill. Nobody's happy about that. About that, and and it takes something that is not of this world. To keep you going through that circumstance. There there is something that is not of this world. That has to come into your life. Because you 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 can't cultivate enough and conjure enough good positive feelings in the midst of this tribulation to keep yourself going. And that's why he says this produces perseverance. It produces character. And then he says in this character it produces hope. It produces hope. And it's in the midst of this trial, in the midst of this pressure, though I'm not happy about it, though though it's not comfortable, though though I don't even want to go through it, it is, he gives me hope in the midst of that that will keep me going. That I'm not alone doing this. His presence is there and it's abiding in my life. So let me explain what this hope is, what this hope that we have in Christ is. It is not in the sense of an optimistic outlook or wishful thinking without any foundation. So this hope in Christ, this 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 New Testament understanding for the Christian of what uh, for the Christian as to what hope is, this hope is not just wishful thinking. It's it's not just conjuring up uh, conjuring up enough good thoughts and being positive enough to convince yourself everything's going to be okay when you have absolutely no evidence that it's going to be okay. And it's not in kind of this kind of wishful thinking with no foundation. This hope, this biblical hope that we have in Jesus, it is in the sense of a confident expectation based on solid certainty. That's what this hope is. Biblical hope rests on God's promises. Hope is not it has nothing to do with your wishful, optimistic thinking. It has everything to do with the person of Jesus Christ. It has everything to do with the promises of God. It has everything to do with the solid foundation that the word of God is. It is not a blind hope. It is hope and solid promises with an expectation that what God said he will do. That is what biblical hope is. It's not a wishful thinking. Here's what Baker said. It is an expectation or belief in the fulfillment of something desired. Present hurts and uncertainty over what the future holds creates the constant need for hope. There are plenty of people who need hope today. There's a lot of healthcare professionals who need hope today. And look, it's a very dire situation. But they, they, they can't get the kind of hope we're talking about from things of this world. They can't get this hope from the government. We need a hope that transcends this world, and it comes from heavenly places. Worldwide poverty, hunger, disease, and human potential to generate terror and destruction create a longing for something better. There are people who are struggling. There are people who are longing for something in the midst of their trial and circumstance. Historically, people have looked to the future with a mixture of longing and fear. There are some people, who they find themselves in a current affliction, and they long for the future. But even still, there's a fear for the future because they don't know, is it even going to be better than my present circumstance? Well, what is the future all? For a lot of people, the future is full of fear. Aside from the virus happening right now, for many people, when they lay their heads on the pillow every single night, they begin to be overcome with anxiety and fear and worry of the next day's task and days ahead and weeks ahead and years ahead and they worry about their job, they worry about their children, they worry about bills, they worry about their uh, physical needs, they worry and they're anxious and and they long for things to pass, they long for themselves to be free of the current affliction, but there's still fear for the future because am I promised that the future is even going to be any better? That is, I think, the experience of all of humanity. And really, that's the experience of the person outside of Christ. But we as children of God, we can live in a constant state of hope. Trial or no trial. It goes on to say, many have concluded that there is no reasonable basis for hope. And therefore, to hope is to live with an illusion. But the Bible says we are not as those who have no hope in this world. We are those who have hope. Because I serve a risen Savior. I serve a Savior who is alive, who is interceding at the right hand of the Father this very moment. And I have a hope that transcends my current situation, this current life. Come what may, I will always have a hope in Jesus Christ. Scripture relates being without hope to being in the world without God. He goes on to say, he says in Ephesians 2 12, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That was our state before God. That was our state before we came to God in faith by his grace. But now, the wonderful privileges that we have as children of God, we simply come to the cross. We fall down upon his mercy and his grace. And we can now be people who do have hope. We can be a people who once had no hope. Who now have a hope. We now have a hope in the God who has saved us. Here's what G.K. Chesterton said. Hope means hoping when things are hopeless. Think about this. Or it is no virtue at all. As long as matters are really hopeful Hope is merely flattery or platitude. Okay? It is only when everything is hopeless that hope begins to be a strength. So when you have hopeful expectations, that is in the natural, of the future, there's no need for hope. Everything is going great. The future looks bright and great and wonderful. But it's in a hopeless situation that hope in Christ becomes a true strength. And it's in this place that we have this assurance and we have this presence of God's hope in our lives that's promised to us as children of God. I read in my study Bible this wonderful sentence that said this. Hope is never inferior to faith, but it is an extension of faith. Faith is the present possession of grace. Right now, I am I'm, I'm sustained by grace through faith. In Jesus Christ. His grace sustains me presently. This very moment. This very moment. Hope though is confidence in grace's future accomplishment. Isn't that wonderful? Man. Faith in God. Grace currently brings grace into my life that sustains me. That that, that keeps me. And then this hope. This extension from faith which is hope. It gives me a confidence in grace's future accomplishment. That what God said he will do. It is not wishful thinking. It's not standing on shifting standards. It's standing on a firm foundation. It's standing on God almighty. And that is a living hope that we have in Christ Jesus. We have a living hope in him. <clears throat> and so closing up here very soon. So this perseverance produces character. Or approving of our character. And character produces hope. And I love this. Now, hope does not disappoint. God's hope. God's hope. Not a false hope. Not not an empty hope that the government can give and false promises that can come from from people in our lives. This hope that comes through the Spirit of God in our lives, it will not and has never disappointed any child of God. He says, Now, hope does not disappoint. And why? Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts. By the Holy Spirit who was given to us. This is not a fairy tale. This is not me reading the scripture and convincing myself it's true. The love of God has been poured out into my heart right now. The love of God is within me by His Spirit. And it's confirming and affirming His love for me. And in light of my current circumstance, in light of all this pressure, this hope like a deep sea submarine, it pushes back. And it says, not today affliction, not today tribulation, not today fear. This faith, this hope in Christ, it pushes back in the deepest recesses of pressure and affliction and fear and loneliness and financial hardship. This hope in God pushes back because it's the love of God that's been poured out into my life. And I know He loves me and He tells me of His love for me and He speaks to me and He fills my life with His presence, with His goodness. With his faithfulness. And I know presently. I'm held in the arms of God. I presently experience his presence. In in the presence of my enemies. In the presence of my affliction. In the middle of my pain. I know his presence of love. I can experience that. I have the reality of that. As a child of God. He goes on to say. It's been poured out. This word poured out. It's very important if you to understand what this word poured out means. It is a present perfect tense in the indicative mood, okay, when it comes to the Greek language. It's expressing an existing condition from a prior action, which means, here's what it means, the spirit continues to flood our hearts with love. It's not a once and for all him pouring love into my life. It's him presently and continually pouring his love into my life. Continually telling me of his presence in my life. In light of what I'm currently facing. And he pours this love out. And with it comes this hope. This hope. Hopeful expectation of the future. Because I'm resting. Not in the promises of men. But in the promises of God Almighty. I close here with Romans chapter 8. If you go a few chapters over, (coughs) a few chapters over in relation to the love of God. 8.28, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the call according to his purpose. How does coronavirus work out for good for the child of God? for the child of God. How does job loss work out for good? How does the death of a child work out for good? How, how does loneliness and abandonment and divorce? How in the world can that work out for good? This is crazy talk. This is crazy talk for for the natural mind. But he says, we know all things work together for good. It's not a, it's not a it's not a good it's not a happy experience. It may not necessarily be a joyful experience in the moment, but all things work together for good to those who love God who are called according to the, his purpose. <clears throat> As I said earlier, all pain and affliction, we can make it through it when we apply meaning to it and purpose to it. And there is always meaning and purpose when we are a child of God. And the reason all things can work together for good is in the next verse. He says, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Hope in Christ gives you a hope of future glorification with Jesus. And in the meantime, this hope will sustain you. And in the midst of affliction, God's will for your life is to conform you to the image of God. Of his son, it is to conform you to the image of Jesus Christ, to purify you, to, to to remove the dross and all of the the dirt out of your life and make you more and more like Jesus Christ. That's how all things work together for good. That's how for the child of God. And let me end right here <coughs> in regard regarding <coughs> excuse me guys regarding the love of God. He goes on to say. <coughs> Who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of God? Who and what shall separate us from the love of God? He answers the question here in verse 35, continue on. Shall tribulation, shall distress or persecution or famine or nakedness nakedness or peril or sword separate us from the love of God? He says, as it is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, in all this persecution, in all this this tribulation, in light of a, a global pandemic, yet in all these things, for the child of God, for the child of God, we are more than conquerors through him who first loved us. Through him who loved us. Last two verses, for I am persuaded that neither death Nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. What you're presently experiencing or what you're going to experience in the future. Nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing shall separate you from the love of God. And this hope, this living hope in Jesus Christ, it will never disappoint you. And, and another translation of that means you will, you will not be ashamed for placing your faith and trust in him. This hope will not disappoint you. It will not leave you ashamed because you you placed, you put all, all, all of your eggs in one basket. You put everything in Jesus. You'll not stand ashamed at the end of the day. You'll be standing in his presence, glorified because you kept your eyes upon him and you trusted him. I close with this. During the 30 years war in the 17th century, German pastor Paul Gerhardt and his family were first forced to flee from their home. One night as they stayed in a small village inn, homeless and afraid, his wife broke down and cried openly in despair. To comfort her, Gerhardt reminded her of scripture promises about God's provision and keeping. <clears throat> then, going out to the garden to be alone, he too broke down and wept. He felt he had come to his darkest hour. <clears throat> and there may there are droves of people who feel like that right now. Maybe we were already in that position. We will come to that place in the future. Tribulations will come and we may experience this very position that this individual experienced. <clears throat> it goes on to say, soon afterward Gerhard felt the burden lifted and sensed anew the Lord's presence. Taking his pen he wrote a hymn that has brought comfort to many. He says this in the hymn Give to the winds thy fears. Hope and be undismayed. God hears thy sighs and counts thy tears. God shall lift up thy head. Through waves and clouds and storms, he gently clears the way. Wait thou his time, so shall the night soon end in joyous day. It's often in our dark, darkest hour, it's in the place of trial and tribulation, it's in that place. That we really learn what trust is. We really learn what faith is. We really learn who we are in Christ. And we learn that he is worthy of our trust. He is worthy of our faith. He is worthy of our commitment. And he is able to sustain us. No matter what we face. Good or bad times. No matter what we face. I want you to come and sing that, that song one more time. His eyes on the sparrow. And we're going to close that way. But I would just encourage every single individual, get your eyes off of current events. Put your eyes on Jesus. Listen, not being negative or morbid. The Bible and faith in Christ does not promise that you won't get sick from coronavirus. It doesn't promise that you won't die from it. That's not being negative or pessimistic. We're all going to die. 60 million people die every single year. Come what may. We don't know what the future holds. Individually, together. We just don't know. We just don't know. We're finite. We're human beings. We don't last forever. But at the end of the day, whether it be cancer or sickness or hard times or financial hardship, my hope is not in this world. My hope is not in this world. My hope is in Jesus Christ. My treasure has not been hidden here. My treasure is hidden in heaven. Not where moth and rust and fire can destroy. My trust is in Jesus Christ. And this doesn't mean that we go off and burrow ourselves in a hole and into a cocoon and we just insulate ourselves from what's going on around us. No, we're able to face adversity with joy, knowing that God is producing something in our lives. He's making us more like Jesus and he's calling us to be the church here on earth, that we are people of faith, we're people of hope. That we will not crumble under fear. We will not crumble under anxiety and worry. We will not crumble in the midst of sickness. That the hope of God will push back at all the pressures around us. And we will be sustained by the grace of God. He will do the work. He is able. Submit yourself to the process. Giving yourself over to that place of discomfort. And He will do a wonderful work in your life. I'm going to pray and we're going to sing this song to close. Jesus, I pray that you would encourage every person, God, whatever they may be going through, God, somebody is going through something. And nobody else may even know about it. The challenges that people face just in their thoughts and what's going on in their mind. <clears throat> the, 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 the battle against sin, against temptation, God. We're all facing something, God. And there are times... Where we almost feel that despair. Like are we ever going to overcome it? Is it ever going to get better? Are we ever going to be victorious? Am I ever going to be free from this affliction? And God there are many promises you make to us. But we're not always assured of a comfortable road. We're just not. We're not promised a comfortable road. We're not not promised a feather pillow on this life. But we are promised hope in our present circumstance. We are promised that you will be a present help in our time of need. You give help. You give aid to the children of Abraham. That is the people of faith. That people have placed their trust in you, Jesus Christ. I pray that you would flood your, these people's lives. That you would flood people's lives with your presence, with your love. That you would, they would feel the affirmation of your presence. That you love them. That you will keep them. That you have their best interest in mind. In the same way that your eye is on the sparrow, your eye is on the child of God. You take full responsibility for your children, God. So help us to commit ourselves to you completely, fully, and without reservation here today, God. Our hope is in you and you alone, God. We don't place hope in a man. We don't place hope in a government. We don't place hope in the stock market or in our retirement account. We place all our hope in you, Jesus Christ. And at the end of the day, we will not be disappointed, we will not be put to shame will be standing strong upon your promises and eventually in your very presence. In Jesus' name.